The Longbox Crusade presents G.I. Joe Chronicles, The Devil's Due Years. Welcome to G.I. Joe Chronicles, The Devil's Do Years. I'm one of your commanders, Pat Sampson, codenamed DJ Christatos. And joining me, as always, is my battle buddy in this operation, Jared Albrecht, the yard sale artist, codename Death Probe. Eddie's DJ Christatos, and to all the green shots. <laughs> Delvin, Delvin's tickling me tonight, man. Delvin, stop. All right. I'm sorry. And to all the green shirts tuning in for this podcast, I want to welcome you all to Fort Longbox. We appreciate you tuning in to talk some post-2000 G.I. Joe comics with us as we chronicle our way through the Devil's Do Run. This episode is, of course, sponsored by Omaha Bound Entertainment, your best choice for hardbinding the special comics in your collection. But news alert, they are taking off a year, one fiscal year, if you will, from hardbinding. So if you don't have your order in by the time you hear this, it's going to be about a year. But hey, that gives you a year to plan out what runs you're going to get hardbound, okay? Mm-hmm. They're focusing on some of their larger projects for the next year. So we will be giving you guys updates because, uh, you know, we love our sponsor, Omaha Bound, and we encourage you to see what they're up to at omahabound.com. You can still purchase things directly from them, some of their trades of hard-to-find comics and things like that. So we do encourage you to omahabound.com and stay tuned for some of the bigger announcements. I'm so fancy, you also, I'm very fancy. On this episode of G.I. Joe Chronicles, DJ Cristados and I are going to rotate in a special ops guest on the show. For this episode, our special ops guest is a return, Joe. It is Ryan Daly, codename Battle Balls. Welcome oh. back to Fort <laughs> Welcome back to Fort Longbox, Ryan. Thank you for having me back. And I have a question about your sponsor, Omaha Bound. Go ahead. What is the smallest number of comics they can actually bound together. I'm going to go with one. Okay. <laughs> I know one is probably the low end. Well, wait, uh, wait, wait, wait. Does he mean size or... No, 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 no. I'm not mean... about number. Like, uh, like a three-issue miniseries. Oh, okay. Ah, I'm glad you asked. I did pick up from them uh, a pre-bound thing of Batman Year One. So it okay. is literally the four issues of four. Batman that made up Year One. So there's a four-issuer right there. You know what? If I could describe that book in your hands with one word, fancy. I'm so fancy. You already know. Fancy, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I can also tell you the upper end is 25 issues. Once you hit 25, it gets too thick to bind. So low end is probably one. High, high end is probably 25. All right, I'm going to look and see if I can find like seven different three issue miniseries that I there, want. There you go. Just call it your miniseries collection, <laughs> and you'll be fancy like me. All right. Well, as Ryan has returned, he has told us his origin story with G.I. Joe before, and he's told us the usual question of name your three favorite characters, be they Joes or Cobras. So when we have a return guest, Pat, what do we do? Vehicles. Colors. Vehicles is correct. Yes. It's a good yes. guess, Ryan, but the, the correct answer was colors. No, it wasn't. It was vehicles. No, wait, wait. Well, I can give you the vehicles, too, but I, I remember last time I was here, I kind of cheated because I didn't give you my top three Joes. I gave you gave us my, top, like, ten. And I gave then you I my we, top ten. We stopped yeah, you. I thought there, we were right? going to get more of that, too. I, I was planning on it because I, oh, okay. well, I also have to I have to make an, an addendum to the original one, too. Okay, so let's get you three vehicles, and then what are you taking? It's like 11 through 20 on your list? Sure, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Number one favorite vehicle. Uh, are we just going vehicles or like are we including play sets? Play sets, vehicles, it's all yeah. good. Ooh, okay. If we include the play sets, I would say number one is the tactical battle platform. Yes. Uh, from Wave 4, like the 1985 Wave. I uh, yeah. loved that thing. Yeah. Uh, I had it when we were kids. Ended up getting it again, like in a, or, uh, from eBay in the early 2000s. Always loved that vehicle. I, I'm going to step on your story right now and tell my story. So shut up for a second. <laughs> so I had it as a kid. And then about eight years ago, I had some air conditioning put in out my my outbuilding out back. And the air conditioner guy was like, oh, he saw my J.I. Joe stuff. He's like, oh, you like Joe? He's like, I got a couple of things you can have, you know. And I'm like, oh, that's cool, you know, in passing. And literally a couple of weeks later, I pull up in my driveway and at my front door is the Terror Drome and the Battle Platform. He just left them <laughs> there for me. 
And I was like, this is the greatest day of my life. Because <laughs> he knew you were fancy. Yes. And just so you know, if you had the armadillo, the mini tank, mm-hmm. it fit perfectly in the little rectangle right there on the battle platform. Yep, yep. Yeah, anyway, you can, yeah, I can slide down here. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, back to my story. No, I'm just kidding. Like, <laughs> what are your next two uh, vehicles? Number two from 1987 would be the Mobile Command Center, which was sort of a half vehicle, half playset, because it looked like the Jawa Sandcrawler, mm-hmm. but you could also unfold it, and it was a three-story headquarters, like base thing. The bottom level was like the machine shop. And you could park Sergeant Slaughter's little triple T tank in there. And then the second floor was like operations that had like the computer terminal and everything, like some like medical unit beds, as well as like a jail cell. You could put cover commander there if he was captured. And then the third floor was like basically like armor range, had like missile launchers and stuff like that. I like the detail of that, like having like oh. the three different floors. It was just really, really cool. Yeah, I know of it, but I've never laid eyes on one. I've never even seen one. Yeah, no. it was great. It was glorious. And then the third one, uh, this is a really tough call between two Cobra vehicles, either the Rattler or the Water Mechanism. I'm going to say the Rattler. The Cobra Rattler was always my favorite aircraft vehicle. Yeah. So I know, I know some people prefer the Night Raven or the, what was that, Joe, on the Sky Striker? I don't, I'm not too familiar. Striker, something like <laughs> I always love the Rattler, though. Yeah. So. Yeah. My favorite detail on the Rattler was the little plates that you could replace with the battle damage. Yep. yep. Yeah. I like the Gantling gun in the front. Which oh, is, yeah. Oh, man, that's, that's just cool. Getting into my list of Joe. So <laughs> since I had to make a correction because one of your later guests who was on after me reminded me of the character Ripcord, who I always really, really liked. So one through ten, really quick. Spirit, Torpedo, Gung-Ho, Snow Job, Stalker, Ripcord, Breaker, Mutton Junkyard, Snake Eyes at number nine, Airborne at number ten. And then 11 through 20, <laughs> Rakondo, Wild Bill, Tripwire, Doc, Quick Kick, Cover Girl, Roadblock, Lady J, Duke, and Clutch. I'm sorry your beloved Beachhead is not making the top 20. I think top 20 and no Beachhead? I hate Auburn that much. Oh, <laughs> no, hell, man. Like, Beachhead, Low Light, the guys from that way would probably be in the top 25. They would be in, like, the next chunk. But oh. I, I like that Ryan's 11 and 12 are both big hat wearers. Yeah, I like the hats. Okay, you were going pretty rapid fire there. Did my beloved Firefly make your top 20? Oh, those were just the Joes. Oh, just the Joes. We're going to have him back at least two more times. (laughs) I can give you my top 10 Cobras right now. Do it. (laughs) All right. Wild Weasel, the pilot of the Rattler at number one. Copperhead, the pilot of the Water Moccasin at number two. Baroness, number three. Snow Serpent, Storm Shadow. I still, I think of him first and foremost as a villain, as a a bad guy. Sure, yeah. Even though for most of the history he hasn't been. Televiper at number six, then Destro and Firefly at number eight. Cool. Which actually I could flip those. I don't know. And then Eel and Scrap Iron. Cobra Commander does not make my top ten. Ooh. All right. Man, we've learned a lot about Ryan today. If you had to pick a Cobra Commander, hooded, battle helmet, or armor. Uh, or hooded with a suit. You <laughs> didn't mean? Yeah, I've got a couple of those. Actually. Yeah. I got the black suit and the blue suit version. I would usually say hooded, but uh, maybe I'm just as I'm getting older. I have I have enough fondness for the silver plated helmets. Mm-hmm. Can't go wrong. Yeah, it looked cool back then. You know that was a cool. I uh, Ryan always brings the extra deets, man. The extra mm-hmm. deets, deets nuts. By the way, <clears throat> Pat DJ Cristados, may we have this episode's intelligence report? Well, Jared, I am glad you asked. For this mission, we will be covering G.I. Joe number 14, published by Image. It's got a cover date of January 2003, but its on-sale date was February 12, 2003. Editor was Scott Worley. Writer is Josh Blaylock. Penciler, Kevin Sharp and Brandon Badeau. Inker, John Larder. Colorist is Hi-Fi Color Design. Letterer is Dreamer Designs. And cover art goes to Tim Seeley and Udon. And speaking of the cover, Death Pro, please take us through the cover description. Got it. Take cover! The image eye is highlighted in red as it blends in with the background, and the cover price is still $2.95. The main action is a pose shot of a Cobra Viper standing in front of a typical suburban American home, complete with a garden gnome and a waving flag. But that flag is Cobra. So what do you guys think of the cover? We will start with Ryan. I like this cover. It is a striking cover because of the contrast. You've got this Americana scene, the nice white suburban house, 
the mailbox open, which is a nice little touch. It's the Lottas on the name on the mailbox as an homage to Chris Lotta, the gnome and everything. But right up front, you have the Viper holding his <laughs> assault rifle. And it's just a little too real for me today. <laughs> it's just like, I like the cover as a piece of art, but it also, it makes me uncomfortable just seeing a domestic homegrown terrorist standing so proudly out in front of his house with his machine gun out. And it's just like, I, I, w- I would probably have a different feeling about this one a year ago or more. But today it's like, ah, I didn't want to see this. But that is more commentary on the world that we live in today in 2020 than it is a, a statement on the art. The art itself, I really like it. I think it's a really nice piece. It's striking. It's the kind of shot that has been mimicked and and kind of done with other comics in the 20 years since this was published. If it seems kind of like a pastiche, I think like there's probably a lot more that has been done. Tim Seeley was the artist of this one. Yeah, I think he, yeah. he was probably really tapping into something creative that other artists have taken and borrowed from this. What do you guys think? I feel like it's doing its job if it makes you uncomfortable. Because, <laughs> you know, that's clearly what they were going for. Cobra has invaded. It, it totally gives you the 80s Springfield. Feel. Yeah. Yep. And I know that was what they were doing. They were like, we're basically bringing back Springfield in a different way. And I think the cover totally sold it. I, as soon as I set eyes on it, that's my immediate feeling was 80s Springfield, the Cobra town. Yep. Got it. Totally got it. Artistically, I'm going to agree with Ryan. It's really well done, well laid out, well drawn, well colored. Good cover. Pat? I definitely agree with you, too. It brought back that feeling of Springfield. I'm like, oh, we're going back to Springfield or some other town that's populated by cobras. So be prepared for that. I like the washout background. I kind of see it as a washout background of the house where it's kind of washed out. But really what sticks forward is that gnome and the Cobra Trooper kind of just standing there. One thing of that I don't know for sure is why does the Cobra Trooper got goggles on when he's got a whole face shield? <laughs> Ask the toy designers. That's always been <laughs> part of the original toy design. Good question. Does that mask come off or does it go up or something? You know, I just thought I don't understand that part of it. But it still kind of makes him look cool anyway. Hey, man, when you're on the battlefield, you rather have it and not need it than need it and not have it. That is true. And I'm glad Ryan kind of brought up what's on the mailbox. That's what I, I was kind of staring at before, trying to figure out what that was. Was that Larder or was that Lattice? And so he said... It's an homage to Chris Latta, who's the voice of Cobra Commander on the original uh, Sunbow okay. cartoon. Also did Starscream from Transformers. They had kind of like the same uh, words. Okay. Uh, That's where the name was kind of coming familiar for me. So cool. Very cool. Yeah, I agree with you guys too. It's an interesting cover. Very well laid out and drawn. So with our discussion on the cover out of the way why don't we find out how we would rate this cover on a scale of one to ten flag points one meaning you didn't like it at all and ten meaning it's perfect and you should make a recruiting poster out of it Ooh, interesting on that end of it could it be a recruiting poster (laughs) (laughs) if you depends on who you are this would look good on a cobra brochure man Join Cobra and we'll buy you a house. <laughs> you get a garden home just for signing yeah, up today. <laughs> probably have a pension plan. You probably got a whole 401k. You've got health insurance. It's like, this really seems like the whole family package. I'm surprised it doesn't have a wife and two and a half kids in the picture, too. <laughs> With their little she, goggles and helmets. <laughs> they're, they're in the back there setting up the equipment to spy on them. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's find out, Ryan. One to ten. Um, <laughs> misgivings and, and the queasiness that it puts in my belly notwithstanding, I'm high on this cover as just a piece and everything that we've said, like the way it's attention grabbing, art should make you feel something and this mm-hmm. one does, so I would give this an enthusiastic 9. Ah, Jared? Yeah, if you told me that you were going to pitch me a cover that just had a viper on it, I'd be like alright, let me get my 6 or 7 ready <laughs> but because of the juxtaposition with the Americana and how well it's drawn, I'm going to saddle up with Battle Balls there and go with a 9. And I also want to say that if I was given the opportunity, I would totally rock that belt buckle. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you could open a beer with it, too. Yeah. <laughs> right there in the mouth of the cobra. <laughs> While you're out there on with the barbecue that's going on, everybody, you have people over on yeah, the new house that you got. There you, know, <laughs> there you go. What do you think, Pat? I am going to agree with you guys, too. It's a nine. And I just had this really cool idea that, um, you know, if I could redo... Uh, room in my house or whatever and make it my room i would like a good gi joe recruiting poster and next to it a cobra one too 
So I think this and that together would be really kind of fun to have. I might could help you there, Pat. <laughs> I, I have, they make the wall scrolls. Oh, yeah. And I have the big wall scrolls, one Joe and one Cobra. Oh, just and I don't even think they're hanging up anywhere. I might have to package and mail them to uh, you. Oh, uh, yeah. That would be kind of, ooh, I could put that behind me on my. <laughs> you just reminded me, thinking about the belt buckle with like the Cobra and everything, the movie Dazed and Confused. There's a shot in the movie where four of the guys are just standing outside the Emporium. There's like a dialogue scene running. And just kind of in the background, one of the guys takes his belt buckle off. And I think he's got like a one hitter or something attached to it or like hidden in it. it just does like a quick little smoke or whatever and then like attaches it back to his belt buckle <laughs> looking at this viper right now, he's got something illicit inside the snake's mouth he keeps there's, there's like, like pills or some kind of contraband that he's not supposed to have that you know his, his superior officer would frown on but he's the got picture something. of scarlet <laughs> yeah. i may be cobra but dang that red-headed lady's got a hold on me <laughs> That's a good thing to put out there. Let's go ahead and put it out there on the poll of what's in the belt buckle. <laughs> what's in that belt buckle? For me, I would be Skittles. Skittles. <laughs> yep. Taste, you know, hey, you want a taste of the rainbow? <laughs> <laughs> what would you put down in there, Ryan? Between pictures of Scarlet, between Skittles, I, I mean, my first thought just going with the movie was he got pot in there. He's got <laughs> marijuana. But I don't know. If there's, He's you know. got a side hustle. Yeah. <laughs> Sure, maybe it's candy. It's probably candy. <laughs> Jared, what would you put in there? If you had that belt buckle, what would you put well, in there? Well, I like to be fresh and original, so I'm going to go with Skittles. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. <laughs> that's a good one. But only the red ones. That so, or Tabasco, because you mm. never know when you have any little, little hot sauce. Mm-hmm. Of course, if that breaks Sweet down sour. there and runs down, your that could... And yeah, anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Just like a very fancy disguise, like flask. You just got some bourbon with <laughs> Just you. a little bourbon in there. A little bit of the, what we call the rogue agent drink that Delvin <laughs> yep. invented. See, I could, oh, I could start maybe using that. You having problems keeping your short shorts up? Use this belt belco. <laughs> we are now in the minute nine of the belt buckle discussion. Jeff <laughs> Chronicles episode. All right. Well, enough about the belt buckle. Let's go ahead and hand it back over to Death Probe for the story synopsis in our mission brief. You got it, DJ Cristados. Here on G.I. Joe Chronicles, we like to mix things up a bit. I'm going to have DJ Cristados pull the randomizer to determine the synopsis point of view. Will I tell it from Joe's point of view or Cobra's point of view? Cristados, pull that lever. It is Joe. Woo! Two in a row for Joe. Yeah. Oh, Joe Run. All right, let's do it. Look in the eyes of a hero and see the sacrifice within. There's no way out for the hero. He only lives to fight again. A hero says, all not for fortune or fame, but death freedom because we all just want it the same. Rock and roll and butt take a little road trip to meet up with Alpine and Bazooka at a bar in Alpine's new hometown of Delhi Hills. Something doesn't seem quite right about old Clyde's bar. Before you know it, our fearsome foursome is in a bare knuckles brawl with pretty much the whole town, which apparently is made up of all Cobra members, Springfield style. In the meantime, Cobra Commander and Destro bicker, and someone has captured the Baroness. All right, let's get into our highs and lows on this issue. You are the guest. You get the honor. Kick us off. High, low, what the? What do you think there, Ryan? I'm going to start off with a high, sticking with the age and continuity of our characters. You know, you know, this was something that was much more obvious in the original issues of the, the miniseries of this, that so much time has passed since they were last in operational and everything. This is a nice little reset and a reminder, and they do it very simply by just saying that, yeah, Mutt has a new dog. And he named him Junkyard Junior. Uh, it's a nice way of acknowledging that, you know, time has passed. And yeah, the lifespan of a dog sadly is shorter and Junkyard might have died in the years in between and everything. But this is a way of easily addressing that and just giving Mutt a new dog that can look and sound and act the exact same way as the previous one that he just calls Junk now. So it's a nice way of saying, yes, this time has passed and the characters are a little bit different, but for the purposes of nostalgia, it's still mutton junkyard the same way you remembered. So I really, really like that. Definitely. Very cool. Very cool. Pat, round one. High, low, what the? I'm going to go kind of with a middle ground low for me. This one was kind of slow going. You know, we're coming down from the big battle with 
Firefly coming and taking the bat away. I like how they kind of continue that story in the beginning of it. But then the rest of the story is just kind of slow going for me about some, you know, it's downtime for the Joes. So I was looking for a little more action in this, but slower part for me. The slower burn on this one is. Yeah, this one was a little bit of a breather after the high octane. Yeah. Was that a two-parter? Not, no, Malfunction was a four-part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, four-parter. Yeah. yeah, this one is a two-parter. Yeah, this one is a two-parter. That's right. That's where I got confused. I'm going to have to give my high in round one to the Baroness. She's always a welcome addition. And, you know, I got, I got a thing for the Baroness. There's no secret there. But I'm definitely intrigued. Like, to me, that's the most intriguing part of the story is who kidnapped the Baroness? Who would have the stones to do that? You know, right outside of Destro's place. That's a gutsy move. Uh, and I want to see what repercussions come from it. So, Can you guys figure out that symbol that's on the guy's wrist? Well, she says Yakuza. Yeah. Okay. It's a just, Japanese tribe, yeah. I don't know if they, Larry Hama ever referenced them or did anything with them in the original comics. So be interesting to bring up a new player. I, and I don't remember how this this story plays out. So I don't know if there's some connection between them and the Arashikagi clan or I don't know. But I, I would be target Baroness. So. I don't remember how it plays out either, but I suspect, remember how we were introduced to a third group because Firefly was working for a oh, not over yeah. not Joe okay. group. I want to say this ties to that, but I could be wrong. Mm-hmm. That makes it a little more interesting. Mm-hmm. And that could be why they kind of brought that into play when Cobra Commander was yelling at Mindbender in that scene as well, too, is, you know, I want to know who the third party is and, mm-hmm. you know, just going off on Mindbender. <laughs> There's a lot of Cobra Commander bickering in this uh, in this issue. <laughs> but uh, people may have comments on that. So let's go back to the top of the order. Ryan, high, low, what the? I'll do another high. I'm not sure if this is a high or just kind of a general observation. I think Josh Blaylock probably really enjoys writing the Cobras more than writing the Joes. And I don't remember if he mentioned that to you guys when you talked to him, but from the sense of this, I get it. I mean, and I think that's probably just the natural case of the type of stories that this is when you deal with the world of G.I. Joe. The Joes, by their nature, they're all kind of the same type of person. They all have the same objectives. They all, It's like if you go back and reread Silver Age Justice League characters, the JLA stories, is you could pretty much move the dialogue balloons around the page. And it didn't matter who was saying because they're all kind of the same. With a lot of the Joes, they're all honorable people. They're all courageous under fire. They're good to go. You know, they kind of have the same things. Larry Hama, you know, in 150 issues, didn't do a whole lot of characterization with a few exceptions, like Snake Eyes and Stalker and Hawk. And those are the characters that he kind of spent the most time with. But even a character like Ripcord, who had a great, one of my favorite extended storylines in the original Joe comics, like in the issue 40s, that whole run dealing with the death of his girlfriend and going to the island of fighting Zartan. As much as I like that for him, you could have swapped him out with any other Joe and the story really wouldn't change. So the Joes kind of, by their nature, they're all kind of the same type. Mm -hmm. But the Cobras, as a writer, you can have a lot more fun with them because they're all scumbags and they're all childish. And you can (laughs) have, you can go to town on them betraying each other and constantly trying to backstab and betray each other and undercut each other. You know, reading the story, I felt like the dialogue, the script just kind of came alive a little bit more when he was writing Cobra Commander and Mindbender and Destro and Baroness. It just felt like a little bit more lively. And I think that's probably, as a writer, where his sweet spot was. From the beginning of this series, it was very villain-centric, very villain-heavy, with like all of the different layers of Destro's son and the betrayals and getting into the dreadnoughts mm-hmm. and the legacies of theirs. I just think he has more fun writing the villains, so that kind of jumps up a little bit more on the pages. I think you're right on that, Ryan. I think that's why I thought this was kind of slow going for me. Is like, oh, we got Joes, they're just hanging out, you know. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed the Cobra parts, the Destro, the Baroness parts were the better parts for me that were building some more background character. And I think you're right with the Cobras or just the villains. You can either make them make somebody really hate them. And just make them more evil with their character, or you can make them sort of feel sorry for them in a way. There's some good characters that I'm like, this guy could turn around or, he, you know, he's doing it for a specific reason. Like Storm Shadow, you know, he mm-hmm. became a hero that was on either sides, depending on what's happening. But I just think you could really flesh out those villains more than you could a hero, because a hero is always got to be the hero. 
Right. They they don't have that demise right. going down. Right. The heroes have to stay in their lane, but you mm-hmm. know, with somebody like Destro, we've seen has a lot of flexibility of which sides he's playing with. So mm-hmm. yeah. you bring up with Blaylock as well too. He throws in the cartoon in here with that special appearance by the Viper. <laughs> the Vindo Viper. Viper. Yes. <laughs> I saw. I'm like, oh no! And then he then at the end he he, he punches he knocks out Bazooka. <laughs> I thought that was a really cool callback there. Is that your high for this round, or are you just going to go for more? Oh, can I keep talking? Uh, no, I'll let you go ahead and talk. Uh, what? I don't, know what to do. <laughs> I don't know what to do. Mine's not terribly original, because my high for round two was going to be, I just love the bickering, the Cobra bickery. Like, it just rolls right off of what Ryan said. That he's clearly having more fun writing the characters, and it's just, the bar stuff was like, okay, I kind of see where this is going. We get, I think we got ourselves a Springfield situation, but they're just, just bickering. You suck. No, you suck. No, you suck. No, I guess I got to go down to town now because everything's falling to crap at old Clyde's. <laughs> you know, it just, it just cracked me up. I just love that dialogue. So nothing terribly original, just to pile on and say, yeah, the Cobra writing in this one is really what picked the book up from, from what Pat was saying is a little bit of a slower draw, but those Cobra places picked the beat up a little bit. Cobra Commander continues to call back to the end of that first series of Destro's son's girlfriend, whatever that now Lillian's brainwashed. Yeah, now that she's brainwashed and he's just kind of toying with her. And you know, I, I want to be clear that I would never want to be in a terrorist group, especially one as evil as Cobra. But when I when I see the panel of him getting the back massage by Lillian with his boots <laughs> propped up on the table, I'm like, ah, I could be Cobra Commander for a day. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and with that, uh, it's time for burning highs and lows. Pat, I'm certain you've got a list, but Brian, anything else you need to get off your chest before we move on? The For getting into the lows, the artist change in the middle of the book was kind of noticeable and jarring. Like all of a sudden you turn that page and it's like, whoa, Bazooka's body shape is entirely different than it was a couple of pages ago. And <laughs> they look a little bit inflated. So yeah, I noticed the artist change and it was kind of, eh. Wasn't as happy with the art in the back half and the bar scenes. Yeah, they've been splitting. As I know, you're a loyal listener, but for this is somebody's first episode. Welcome. They've been splitting art a lot as the series has gone on. I think it's clearly an attempt to make deadlines, which we've mm-hmm. noticed have been starting to slip a little bit. Pat mentioned in the in the recap, this one was supposed to be the January issue, and it came out February week two into February. Yep. And, and it's clear that they're doing their best, and, and you always got to appreciate the comic company that tries to make their deadlines. But yeah, most of the time, their dual artistry is hard to spot. But you were right, Ryan. The uh, character designs were much beefier by one <laughs> artist than the other. Just the way the final reveal kind of came out with them like fighting the people in the bar. Like, it happened really quickly, like, the fact that, okay, the bartender just overheard them dropping their code names or something like that. Just felt kind of like, okay, a a little bit more convenient than it needed to be. And then we don't see him reporting in, but we just hear that Cobra Commander's like, okay, the Joes are there. I ordered them captured. And then you turn to the page, and the Joes are manhandling the bartender and everything, like, throwing him in a... The patrons, before we know that they're all Cobras, or before the Joes know they're all Cobras, the patrons get up, they're like, whoa, what are you doing to the bartender? And they're like, were government agents and everything. Like the Joes should have known how bad this looks on the face of it. You come into this towny <laughs> bar and you grab like an 80 year old bartender or something, rip, like drag him across the bar or something like that. And you're like, Oh, we're government agents. You know, you're dressed in a football Jersey. Really? I'm supposed to believe it. <laughs> like now it plays out because they're all actually undercover Cobra agents, but it's just like on the face of like, I, I felt like that was a little bit sloppy, a little bit convenient, but it got to the point where you needed, which was the scene where all of the locals have weapons, including the little boy who has a taser. <laughs> I was going to bring that up. Who let that little boy to this bar? <laughs> so. Well, it, it's the food, so it's probably one of those, you know. Like a bar and grill. Bar oh, and yeah. grill, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. they're eating. You see somebody, other Old people. Old Clyde doesn't card. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Yeah. Old Clyde ain't card, man. <laughs> uh, the one other thing that I did, just did want to mention was Rock and Roll's car, his orange Mustang. For a moment, I actually had to go back and check this because I thought that the artist was paying an homage to there was an orange Mustang looking vehicle in Mask, the toy line and the cartoon Mask. There was a a bad guy called the Stinger. Now I actually had to check that out and it wasn't a Mustang. It was like a Pontiac GTO with like an exposed engine or something like that. So Mm -hmm. I don't think he was trying to do that. I just thought that it kind of looked similar. 
And then I zoomed in on the license plate for Rock and Rolls. And it's 4JNS or 5TVE. I think it's supposed to say 4J and Steve. So probably the artist or the letterer doing a little love note oh, okay. to, to somebody. kids, family members, somebody that he cares, or friends, something like that. For Jay and Steve, something like yeah, that. Yeah, I saw the plate too, and I thought, I wonder if that's a shout out to something. I think so. But wasn't there, I'm trying to think of Rock and Roll had a car, and they were on, it's coming up, it's like issue 30, is it 35, 36? You talk a Marvel run. Yeah, and the Marvel run, yeah. He's in a Bel Air, though. Yeah, that sounds right. He's in a Bel Air, and the Dreadnoughts, they get on the bikes, and they go for a joyride with Zartan's bike. Well, I guess we'll have to tune in yeah. to Aaron Head Moss's. Yeah, Joe, a real American headcast for that one. But yeah, rock and roll had a Bel Air at that time. All right, Pat, it's that time that we do every show. Get <laughs> your notes out. Everybody settle in. Grab a <laughs> beverage, Yojo Cola, maybe a grape soda, some little chocolate donuts. And mm-hmm. uh, if you got Pat. anything in your belt that you want to get out of the <laughs> yeah, Cobra yeah. Head, go ahead. Now it's <laughs> time. Pass out the Skittles. I don't have a lot. I kind of rambled and, and cut into Ryan's time on it for the things that I want to say. But I definitely like the coloring in this comic. It really helps things stand out a lot. The other question I had is, who is the doctor that walks in? Clyde calls him doctor. He's like so beefy that I'm like, well, that's not Mindbender. He comes in and he's smoking. He calls him doctor. Do you think it's just some other Cobra that we don't know? I don't know if it's supposed to be somebody that we know or not. I just thought it was another thing that kind of tipped them off. The fact that he calls him a doctor when he's smoking. And yeah. the judge kind of like, that seems a little bit suspicious. It was something else for them to... I didn't know if that was like mine better, you know, putting on a costume to go out, but... Um, Gotta love the hairpiece if it is. Mm-hmm. But... Well, yeah, true. The mustache isn't there, so... Yeah. Hmm, good question. I don't know if we're supposed to recognize him or not. Yeah. But we don't. <laughs> nope, I didn't either, so... That's all I got. Not much this time around. All right. I'm slightly disappointed. Yeah, I try. It's all right. I, you know, I gotta. I can't always go high. Sometimes I got to lower the bar. So then you <laughs> set the expectations. I, I dig it. And with that, I'll hand it back to you, DJ Cristados, for the IG report on the combat readiness of this issue. And for those of you who don't speak military, that means we're going to score this issue story on the same 1 to 10 flight points scale we used earlier. So, Ryan, 1 to 10 on the story. So I gave my highs, and I didn't have as many lows, but overall, the story was kind of, it was a transitional issue. Like you guys mentioned, you're coming off of an extended story arc that was heavy on action with a battle android trooper acting like the Terminator. You've got Firefly, you've got lots of Joes, lots of Cobras, Dreadnoughts, and everything throwing themselves at each other. Big action. This is one of those sort of like reset, okay, let's breathe a little bit issues. We'll further develop the Cobra plots a little bit, and we're just going to have the Joes. Like, Chris Claremont used to do this with X-Men. You know, he used to mm-hmm. just have an issue where the gang is playing baseball, the beginning of the issue and everything. And that's kind of gives everybody time to breathe. So that's... Usually those are the good ones, though. They usually are. <laughs> they usually are. And this one is kind of not quite as engaging, not quite as interesting. It's just we don't really care about the A plot, which is the Joes going to this new town and getting captured. Also, my last appearance on this episode when we talked about issue five, which was the whole sort of Duke origin story and everything, which acting like a James Bond type of story, I mentioned that my personal sweet spot, the kind of Joe story that I love, is not, you know, Duke being a super spy agent and everything. It's when I get to see the toys, when I get to see the heroes, all those guys that I mentioned in my top 20 list in their costumes, with their vehicles, doing big actions and stuff like that. And in this, we get four Joes out of costume in their civilian clothes and just going to a bar and getting captured. My points for the for the issue will be a little bit higher, but my points for you guys inviting me back for this particular issue are going to be lower. I, you know, I'm kind of looking at you guys. <laughs> like, this, is, it was my design. this is two issues in a row. I'm kind of like, wow, you're giving me some crappy issues I don't want to talk about. <laughs> you're gonna, hey, you, you could be our filler guy. There you yeah, go. You gotta, you know, sometimes you got to eat the film. I'm yeah. fine with that. I'm fine with that. I have nothing else to do at this time of night. <laughs> <laughs> with that in mind, with my personal bias in mind and just the fact that the A plot for this one is kind of meh, I think I would give this a six. All right. Middle, kind of just above the middle of the road here. It's all right. Jared. I'm actually feeling a little bit of what Ryan's feeling just because our A plot 
revolves around four Joes that none of them are would be in my top ten. I mean, there's nothing wrong with any of them. I, I like them all, but I think the only one, if I listened correctly, that made Ryan's top ten was Mutt. Mutt, yeah. My, and my favorite page is just when Mutt is talking about his new dog, and then that that goes away. Yeah. Now, set up the dog is still out there. Maybe that will come yeah, up in the next issue. True. Maybe yep. Junkyard will rescue them. We'll find out. But yeah, but yeah, I feel like Blaylock is doing a good thing by spotlighting characters that don't get a ton of spotlight and kind of trying to develop them. And but I do, at, I do like Rock and Roll and Alpine a whole lot. I, I've always enjoyed those characters. Yeah, too. they're good jokes. I mean, like I so said, there's not a bad joke here, but there's not really a, an attention grabber either. It's a good callback to the first few issues where you saw Bazooka and you're like, hey, what's he doing? Mm-hmm. Wasn't he the one the that they called and he was like overweight? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He was yeah, like, so. is there a fitness test involved? <laughs> he's all jacked up now, though. Man, look at him. He's huge. Especially he with about the, the other artists. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, a long, long way to say I like just a skosh. I'm using the word skosh. Better than Ryan. I'm going with a seven. I don't know what a skosh is. Is that well, like Jason what you put here, between you. your gums and your teeth? Get a tin of that or something? <laughs> That's skull. Oh, skull. No, a skull is like what the skin oh, on your skull. head. That's a skull. A skull. Moving on. Yeah, moving on. Uh, <laughs> Pat, what is, uh, what is your score for this issue? I am feeling about the same way you guys as well, too. Is this – I'm at a five on this one. I'm going to go a little bit lower. I'm, I'm at a five, just the middle of the road on this one. I bumped it up to the seven because I like what's going on with the Baroness. I do like what's going on on the Cobra side of it, but – yeah, understood. Now I yeah. got you. Yeah, and you know it's it's a filler. We'll see what happens in the second issue. Hopefully, things will come together and get us going down the road again. And yeah, I'm halfway on this one. I will say, while the issue itself didn't do much for me, after spending a long time talking about that cover and what might be in the Viper's belt buckle, I might bump that up to a ten. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it'd come around. Ah, I got a full <laughs> ten, perhaps there. <laughs> yeah, belt buckle discussion. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, without a discussion out of the way on this issue, it's now time to award this episode's Silver Star Medal or Silver Snake for gallantry in action or sneakiness in snakitude. Sneakiness. <laughs> sneakiness in snakitude. I love it. <laughs> This is where we each get to award the character in this issue who went above and beyond the call of duty or sneaky snakiness. Ryan. I've got to give the silver snake to the Viper. <laughs> the the Vino Viper. I, like, <laughs> looking at again, the only two characters in the story that really do anything, we don't get their names. It's the Viper who knocks out Bazooka and then the possibly Yakuza limo driver who knocks out Baroness. Everybody else is just kind of talking about stuff and <laughs> just... Uh, I don't think anybody else really stood out. None of the Joes did much except get captured by a kid with a taser. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I would go with the Viper just because he knocked out Fat Bazooka. (laughs) (laughs) It was a nice callback to the cartoon. Yeah, yeah, that was. I really enjoyed that. I didn't think we were going to see him again until at the end you see him. I'm like, oh, yeah, there we go. That was good. Jared. I'm going to give a silver snake to Cobra Commander. He did a good job bitching at everybody throughout the whole issue. And then, like I said, for that panel where he's got the boots kicked up, getting the massage by the uh, lovely Lillian. He's just balling in this issue, man. Cobra Commander, like, he doesn't get a lot of issues where things are going his way, you know? So let's give it up to Cobra Commander, and I'm going to give him my silver snake for this issue. What about you, Ben? I'm going to second that as well, too. I really enjoyed the Cobra Commander part in this. Is just dirtiness and his... No time for this stuff anymore. I'm that's a problem. You know, mind better man. How long are you going to keep this guy around? You know, every time he's just a failure. So again, you sur- and you surround yourself with people that are failing. That's what I've done here on the Long Box Crusade. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and see how it's gotten you. <laughs> <laughs> but I definitely enjoy his attitude. So I'm hoping he, you know, after all that's been done to him in those earlier issues, he's coming back around. Yeah, he's, like I said, he had a good day in this yeah. issue. <laughs> you know what? You, you're riding around in that trailer, that truck trailer with your office in that. I always thought that was cool when you just drive around in your own trailer and you got, you know, different compartments in there. That we would be do a that, toy man. I would love. We could do that. Yeah. We can get like a Winnebago. Hmm. Me and you riding around. Oh, yeah. That'd be fun. Yeah. Touring the country. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> the people. <Yeah. laughs> That'd be fun. 
Let's do it. Road trip. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Well, with our awards out of the way, it is now time to hand it back over to Jarrett for his segment of Death Probe's Toy Chest. It's here, the G.I. Joe collection. Each sold separately. G.I. Joe from Hasbro. All right, Pat, in this segment, I will take something or someone featured in this issue and give you a brief toy history on it. For this issue, I have selected Rock and Roll. Rock and Roll's file name is Craig S. McConnell. His grade is an E5. He was born in Malibu, California. His primary specialty is infantry. His secondary specialty is PT instructor, and you can see that in his jacked-up muscles. And here's your original figure description. He had OD green fatigues with brown boots and two crossed bullet bandoliers on his chest. His accessories included a dark green helmet, a black M60, and a black bipod for said M60. His figure history is as follows. He is an OG joke. He was released as part of the original 1982 run. As of this recording in October of 2020, there are 11 versions of rock and roll, 12 if you count his arm upgrade in 1983, you know, when they added the swivel arm. They don't consider that an official new version. They call it the 1.5, but if you count that, 12 versions. He was bizarrely renamed Bench Press for his Rise of Cobra figure in 2009. And while his codename was Bench Press, he was still Craig S. McConnell on his file card. So that's an odd duck. That might have been just Hasbro losing the copyright or the trade, not copyright, the trademark. Because I think since like the 25th anniversary wave, I think a lot of times his packaged as Sergeant Rock and Roll. That is correct. That. So yep, I they think have added Sergeant to it. My guess would be like when they were trying to release him, they're like, hey, you can't call him rock and roll or something, even though it's weird. But I think it might have been just a trademark thing. They scrambled to come up with a different name. And then they're like, he really is rock and roll. What can we do with that? So give him a rank next to it. I'm assuming that's what it was. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that happened to a couple characters because I've seen, I want to say it was like Ace. He's been started referring to Captain yeah. Ace and yeah. so on and so forth. But yeah. Yeah, I think you're probably right. I think some trademark probably got overlooked and they had to do a little shuffle. But bench press, I don't know where they came up with that one. Yeah. <laughs> little fun fact, I started collecting the G.I. Joe toys because my brother had already been collecting them. You know, he was getting them right from the beginning of the early 80s. And, and I picked up on them by the time they got to like the 85, 86 waves. The original reason he started getting G.I. Joe's was to supplement the Endor Rebel Trooper from the Return of the Jedi line. <laughs> He was getting the, the Star Wars Return of the Jedi Troopers, and he wanted more characters that looked like the Endor Rebel Trooper. So the first Joes that he got were Grunt and Rock and Roll, because they looked just like basic kind of army guys that could be mm -hmm. that could fit in with the Rebel. And then, you know, they stopped making the Star Wars toys, and he was like, you know, these Joes actually move better and kind of can do more than the Star Wars toys. So we kept collecting G.I. Joes. Good. Yeah. Good. We always encourage that. Pat, what's next? Well, Jared, I'm glad you asked. Next up is our feedback segment called Combat Comms. Call it, G.I. Joe! Go get Breaker! He can do it! As always, we'll start off Combat Comms with a roster of our battle-hardened Crusader Club veterans. These are the fine folks that have joined our Crusaders Club. They enjoy discounts from Jared's online store, theyardsaleartist.com, early access to special Longbox Crusade episodes, free raffle giveaways, voting on show programming, and so much more. So these are the folks reaping the benefits and giving some much appreciated support to the show. And Helica Wolf. Oh. Anthony at tfu.info. Auburn Elvis. Bill Beer. Blast it or stash it. Who are you going to call? Bob Buster. <laughs> Braxton Underwood. Clinton Robinson, director of the basement. Dave Collins, but well, you may know him as B -B -B Battle Wagon. Battle Wagon. The Duchess. Gerald Green. Greg Van Leuven, every minute of it. I, the collector. That I was wore... just a crazy old man. That's. <laughs> <laughs> Dave Collin. Ivor Evans. That wizard's just a crazy old man. <laughs> Jeremy L. Left my wallet at Alstad. <laughs> Jim Jarman. That wizard's just a crazy old man. <laughs> Joe Thomas. John Watson. Jose Pollo. Josh Strickland. Slackers! <laughs> Slacker. <laughs> Mysterious Mark Hatherley. Maxwell Traver. Miranda W. 
Let it rolls down the highway. Rick from Jeff and Rick present. Rob, the Captain Morgan. Ryan Daly. That wizard is just a crazy old man. <laughs> Samantha Maney. Sean Urbanski. Steve Cronin. Tim Price. Come on. Dun, 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 dun. Toronto Cop. And one-time donor, Brad Morin. If we miss anyone on our list, we apologize. Please keep in mind that we record these episodes well in advance of release. So if you're a recent addition, we should be adding you very soon. But still, no worries. Just let us know that we missed you by sending an email to contact at lawboxcrusade.com and we will get it straightened out. So you might be asking yourself, how do I become a Crusaders Club member? I wasn't wondering that. I, I already know is this something that people need to know? Well, yes, they, I think they do. There's only been one person who's really been asking. <laughs> For the love of God, just tell him already. <laughs> well, it's simple. You just head on over to patreon.com and search for Longbox Crusade. For as little as $1 a month, you will get access to the amazing world of the Crusaders Club. Come check it out. Now let's see what messages from our platoon of loyal listeners we have waiting for us on Breakers Com Sat. Communications officer, code name Breaker. Oh, just just static on the radio this time, DJ Cristados, because we are currently recording before the last episode is dropped. So we're sorry that we didn't have any feedback to discuss from you guys. We love everybody, and there's just no feedback to be had because you know we stay strict on our recording schedules, Pat. We do, yeah. And we do that so we can constantly give you guys the content you want and the content you deserve. But yeah, we are recording before the last episode is even dropped, so we will be hitting back with some feedback, more than likely, next episode. Well, go ahead and I'll try to get the radio fixed and we'll see what comes. We can get a better yeah. signal next time on the ComSat. Good deal. I think Green Lantern HG's comment, whatever it ends up being, probably over the line. <laughs> probably. Probably. He's probably going to say that I get the trophies, but then I have to get it, and Jared's going to steal it from me. Well, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. yeah, just assume they're stolen, and we can move <laughs> on from there. Well, with that, if you've hung in with us this long, we've got a giveaway for you. My friend, Pat DJ Cristados, currently holds in his hand a copy of... The G.I. Joe Real American Hero from Marvel, number 34, which features Ace and Lady J in the Sky Striker getting shot on by... Wild Weasel and the Baroness in the Rattler. And it is signed by the inker of the cover, John Beatty. Wait, so you've got the original issue. Original issue. G.I. Joe number 34, signed by John Beatty, friend of the show. Mm -hmm. And you're just going to give that away? I'm I'm crazy. I know what you're thinking, Jared. Wow. How can we do this? How can we do it? Well, we do it by the generous offers of our Crusader Club members for just a dollar a month. Definitely. Thank you, Crusaders Club members. You guys are the ones that make things like this happen. And thank you to friend of the show, John Beatty, for donating his signature to that comic, for giving it away. If you would like to win the autographed comic, G.I. Joe number 34, John Beatty, just comment on the show over on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram and use hashtag John Beatty Joe. And Beatty spelled B-E-A-T-T-Y. So if you use hashtag John Beatty Joe, when you comment on this episode over on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram, you will be entered to win. And we will announce the winner soon. And that I'm following John Beatty. <laughs> <laughs> Don't confuse them. <laughs> that will bring us to mission complete. Hashtag John Beatty Joe. That will. <laughs> oh, I have too much fun tonight. That will bring us to mission complete status for this episode of G.I. Joe Chronicles, The Devil's Do Years. If you'd like to hear more from us in the realm of comic books, action films, vintage TV, movies, serials, and more, check out the entire Longbox Crusade Network. DJ Cristados, where can they find that? Well, Jared, I am glad you asked. You can find us on the iTunes, Google Play, and most podcatchers, or at www.longboxcrusade.com. We're also on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, at Longbox Crusade. Back to you, Jared. If you want to interact with us with live chat and be entered to win some free stuff on our live raffles, join us for the next episode of Doing It Live Stream over on YouTube on the second Sunday of every month. And they start at 3.30 p.m. Central Time. Get signed up for that by looking up Longbox Crusade on YouTube. Please subscribe to our channel. 
and click that bell so you get reminder notifications when we go live. And I got to say, we always have a good time with people in the chat. Ryan's been in the chat before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's fun. Pat's been like uh, not in the chat, but on the actual shows and sometimes in the chat. And sometimes in it. Yeah, we highly recommend that. It's over on YouTube, Longbox Crusade, 3.30 p.m. on the second Sunday of every month. Unless there's a holiday, we'll bump it a week. And if you want to chat with us online, we can be found at Pat. Where can they find you personally? Personally, Jared, I am glad you asked from my heart. Mm. I want to tell you, thank you for asking. Yes. You can also find me on the Twitter at Christatos01. Jared, where can they find you? I am at Yard Sale Artist, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Parlor. Uh, I think that's it. It's all at Yard Sale Artist. And Ryan, regale us. Where can people find you? What are some of your favorite podcasts you're doing these days? Hit us hard, man. Right for the belt buckle. Hit me in the belt buckle. <laughs> Hashtag Viper Belt Buckle. <laughs> you can find me on the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I host several shows, including Cheers Cast, Fire and Water Records, Midnight the Podcasting Hour, Batman Nightcast, maybe some other stuff. You'll have to tune in to find out. You can also find me on Facebook and Twitter. And I just really hope that whoever ends up winning that signed John Beatty issue of G.I. Joe will have it bound with their other John Beatty signed comics <laughs> by Omaha yes. Bound. But you have to wait for a full year to do it. That is correct. You've been paying attention, and I love it. Yeah, definitely check out Ryan's shows. He's an amazing yes, podcaster. Definitely. He does lots of good stuff. I really like the uh, Fire and Water Records show, especially the episode mm-hmm. I was on. <laughs> you ran an episode? Yeah, James Bond episode, me and my oh, brother. That's right. Pat is supposed to be on that show, too. He gave me his list of songs, and I looked at it, I was like, <laughs> yeah, <I'm> like <laughs> no, these probably went to the garbage or yeah. <laughs> like, oh, that's Pat again. It's just like Pat with like all like the, the like the bizarre like one hit wonder pop songs, like you know, Who Let the Dogs Out or Cotton Eye Joe. Yeah. No, no, I've actually I actually like both of the songs, but <laughs> <laughs> We'll get around to it. How yeah, do we not work Cotton Eye Joe into our G.I. Joe podcast? <laughs> <laughs> Well, thanks for joining us for this episode of G.I. Joe Chronicles. The Devil's Do Years. We will see you on the battlefield next episode. We will cover issue number 15, Homecoming, part two of two. Until then, platoon, fall out. Yo, Yo Joe. Joe. I need more enthusiasm daily. Hashtag hit me in the Skittles. <laughs> Come on. Yo, Joe. Uh, this is like a sarcastic Yo, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> The music themes for this show are done by musical genius Joe November. Please check out his SoundCloud at Joseflin99. That's J-O-S-E-F-L-I-N-9-9. You will not regret it. And joining me, as always, is my battle buddy in this operation, Gerald. Gerald? You like to be called Gerald? Been friends for four years yes, now. <laughs> and joining me in... Well, now I'm screwed up now. And joining me, as always, in my... And joining me, as always, is my battle buddy in this operation, Gerald. <laughs> Ryan, you want to do this part? Yeah. <laughs> He's got it down. Welcome to G.I. Joe Chronicles, everybody. <laughs> Come on! Touch that, Greg. Turn me on. No, stop. Just stop. Oh. <laughs> Grab that belt buckle in. All right. Taste the rainbow. Taste the rainbow. <laughs> where, where are we going with this one? Outtakes. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs>